Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Well, welcome, everybody, <laughs> to Spotlight. So glad to have you here today. We are live. And um, I'm really thankful for today's show topic. Today we're going to talk about the art of being, the art of being. And I know this is an interesting topic. It's a little bit ambiguous when you just hear the art of being. What does that mean to be? But I felt really impressed to talk about this topic and, and what it means to be able to be, to just be you, to shed all the labels all the expectations, and to come from a space of knowing that you are enough just as you are. You are enough just as you are. So recently, I have gone through a transition in my life, and, you know, our entire lives, we're transitioning, we're transforming, hopefully we're growing, things are changing. What's really interesting is I look back over the journey of my life, and I'm sure you can look back over the journey of your life, I think about these different labels, these different expectations, these different ways of being in which I had a story created or I took on somebody's expectations for how I should be or who I should be. And it's interesting because I remember being a young child and I grew up in such a wonderful, loving household and with such amazing parents. And my dad was a newscaster. And so he was a local celebrity, and everywhere we went, people would be watching him. And because they were watching him, they were watching me. And I remember taking on this story that I needed to behave, that I needed to always show up um, looking nice and acting in a certain way because I felt like my dad's reputation (laughs) was at stake. I felt like somehow... I acted or behaved good, if I looked like uh, I was perfect, then people would think that my dad was a good person, and then they'd watch his news more. Isn't that funny, these stories that we take on when we're younger? But I got this label, and I took on this label, this expectation on myself that I needed to always look like I had things put together, and I needed to always have a smile on my face. I needed to always be the perfect one, the perfect girl, and so I I took on this label, and I remember there were times when I felt grumpy or times when I didn't feel like smiling or times when I didn't feel like doing my hair, but I didn't allow myself as a child just to be because I felt like there would be this, um, this bad stigma around me if I showed up in less than a perfect way. It was interesting as I transitioned into into high school and into junior high and then high school, I remember feeling like I wanted to be the best at things. And there were a series of different experiences that led me to believe this. I remember being in kindergarten. One of my very first experiences that I remember in kindergarten, I went to school. I was so excited. I go into kindergarten 
And it was fall. And one of the first projects our teacher had us do was she had this paper, this cardboard paper with a leaf printed on it. And she asked us to color the leaf and then cut it out. And she was going to hang them from the ceiling. So it looks like it was fall in our classroom. And I was so excited about this art project because my mom had taught me how to color inside the lines. And I was so careful. I remember opening my brand new crayon box and pulling out my orange crayon and just carefully, carefully coloring. And I did not one time go outside the line of this leaf. And then I remember very carefully cutting it out and having it into my teacher. I had such a feeling of pride about this leaf. And I just thought, oh, she is going to love my leaf so much. And I remember the teacher looking through the leaf, and I remember watching her face as she saw a leaf. And I thought, oh, that's got to be my leaf, because her whole face lit up, and she said, oh, class, I want to show you this leaf. And she pulled out a leaf, and it wasn't mine. And what the child had done was taken a bunch of crayons that were fall colors and scribbled all over the paper and gone all the way outside the lines and then cut it out. You can even tell they color outside the lines. And she praised my classmate and said, what an innovative idea. And I was so disappointed. And from that moment forward, I decided I always wanted to do the best. I wanted to be the one that my teacher was praising. I know it became kind of a brown noser really in school. But going into junior high and high school, I remember I took on my this label of being a good student. And I linked my identity. I linked my worth to my grades. If I got good grades, then that must mean I was a good person. If my teacher appreciated me, then that meant I was worth something. Just like how I'd been younger with when going out with my dad and feeling like if I acted perfectly, then that somehow made me worth something or worthy. And so I took on another label. I took on that label of good student. I needed to be a good student. And then I remember I got married at a very young age at 19, and I remember taking on these ideas of what it meant to be a good mom. I remember thinking in my mind, in order to be a good mom, I needed to be a stay-at-home mom. And it was interesting because both my mother and my ex-husband's mom worked. And so, I, I, for some reason, I don't quite remember the story of where I took that on, but I had this idea in my mind that a good mom was a stay-at-home mom, and that a good mom cooked all the meals, and that a good mom had her house clean, and that a good mom had well-behaved children. And I made my children's behavior a reflection of whether I was a good mom or not. Just like how when I was younger, I made the reflection of what people thought of me mean that either my dad was a good person or not. And it was really interesting because I remember as I became an entrepreneur later on, I got a point in our life where I'd been a stay-at-home mom, but I'd always had this entrepreneur spirit. Even when I was a stay-at-home mom, I had wanted to start preschool groups. I wanted to, to uh, be the art mom at my ch- at my children's school. I was always doing entrepreneurial things. I was a leader in our church and always putting together programs for children. And, and I had the spirit within me. And in my late 20s, when I was, I, air quotes, forced into entrepreneurship, I remember um, taking on this really, uh, putting a lot of pressure on myself. Like, I can't let people know that I'm working or I've got to downplay it or I can't let my kids know that I'm working. And it created this dissonance within me because I would be at home and I would try and 
put on this role, this label of this perfect stay-at-home mom, and then I would go and I would run my business and I would try and step into this role of, oh, I've got to be this perfect entrepreneur. And as I started my business, I had this idea of what a perfect businesswoman would be. Anyway, the stories go on and on. But you get the idea. and Think, where in your life have you taken on these labels? Have you taken on a label of a good mom or a good daughter or you've, you've created some type of meaning around what it looks like in a certain area of your life to show up or to do good? And what ended up happening to me was I got to a point in my life where I couldn't be me. I didn't even know who Allison was. I didn't even know who I was because I couldn't be me. I would have to be a mom when I was at home. I would have to be a businesswoman when I was at work. I'd have to be the perfect daughter when I was home. I'd have to be, you know, the perfect uh, church person when I was at church. I would have to be this put-together, um, <laughs> perfect-looking woman when I was out in society. And I lost myself, and I lost the ability to be, to be with me. And in those rare, quiet moments that I was still, I didn't like who I was. Because I found that inside of me, I had desires, I had thoughts, I had feelings, I had dreams that were different than the expectations that I'd taken on during my life. I felt guilty because I thought I should be a stay-at-home mom, but I didn't want to be. I liked working. I felt guilty as a businesswoman because I wasn't putting all of my time into my business. I was focused a lot on my children and my family. I felt like I wasn't a good enough wife because I wasn't cooking the meals every night or didn't have the house perfectly clean. And it was really interesting because it led me down a path where I got to a point where I really didn't like myself because all I could think about were the areas in which I wasn't enough. And when I did show up in the certain areas, I would put on this mask. I would put on this costume. I would, I would put on a performance based on how I thought people thought that I should act. It was really interesting because over the past few years, I've had an awakening. I've had a reconnection to myself. And it it was at a low level that I discovered this, and I just want to share this journey with you. I feel like there's somebody out there that needs to hear this, and then we'll get into some of the logistics. We'll get into some of the tips, the tangible things that you can do, today, the way that you can be, that you can learn to love yourself, but... At my lowest point, a few years ago, it had gotten to the point where my business was super successful. I was speaking on big stages. I was out with celebrities. I was making money. I was I had my TV show. I had this radio show. And from the outside world, it looked like I had everything. I had these four beautiful children. I had this husband. I had this career. And behind closed doors... I was really in a lot of pain and things were pretty bad. I was at the end of a 20-year marriage that had been really good, really great for a long, long time, but had fallen apart over the last few years. I was transitioning 
in so many different ways. My parents were struggling with my transition. My children were confused because they saw that their dad and I weren't happy. And all I could think about all the time was how I wasn't enough. And I started doing things. I I remember being at home and just feeling like I wasn't enough, feeling like I wasn't good enough in certain areas, feeling like I wasn't meeting people's expectations or standards. And so I would go and I would travel and I would go to these events where I'd win these big awards or I'd speak on these big stages. And for a moment, I would like myself. For a moment, I would feel validated because other people were recognizing me. And then as soon as I got off the stage, I went right back to that pain center. And it got so bad one morning, I woke up, I had gone on antidepressants. I remember going into my physician. It was just a family physician because I felt so sad all the time. I was crying multiple times a day and just really feeling sad. And I remember going into her because I wanted to talk to her about going on antidepressants. And she asked me, she says, well, why do you think you're depressed? And I I started crying right there. She probably was like, oh my goodness. I was crying so hard. I couldn't even answer her question. And I, I laugh about it now because I think that what a funny position that would put her in. She looked at me after a while and she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to say anything. I can see you're pretty depressed. So I remember, um, she put me in antidepressants. I was on antidepressants for the first time. I was going to marriage counseling, and I wasn't, you know, seriously contemplating taking my life, but I had said things enough to alarm the counselor that I had been on suicide watch. So I woke up this morning, this one morning, and I'd been on suicide watch that week before. I'd started antidepressants, and I was just so sad, and I remember thinking, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to do anything. And at that moment, I just said a prayer. I'm like, God, you know, do you even love me? And at that very moment, as I laid there in my bed, uh, the blinds were all closed, but there was one blind that was broken. At that moment, the sun shone in right through that broken blind right on my face. I felt a glimmer of hope. I felt God's love for the first time in a long time. And I remember getting this idea that I'd heard and done before, and I grabbed my notebook and my backpack, and I hiked to the top of a mountain by my house, and I sat down, and I wrote, Dear Allison, at the top of the paper, and I wrote myself a letter from God. And I remember as things flowed out on the paper, all these words of advice and these, you know, um, affirmations like, you are important, you are loved, you deserve and are worthy of happiness. And I remember for the first time in a long time as I sat there writing and as I sat there afterwards, like, I was okay with just being me. And there was such this relief, almost a sigh of relief, and I felt this weight lift off my shoulder. And I knew I was worth it. (laughs) I was worth fighting for. I was worth living my dreams. And I remember climbing off that mountain with each step thinking, I'm courageous. I'm courageous because I knew I'd have the courage to act on it. It was a long road, but fast forward a few years later, just a couple of weeks ago, I was up in the mountains doing a meditation. And as I've done this work over the past few years to learn how to be and learn how to love myself, it's been a journey. And I'm going to share some of those tips and tools with you in many different aspects and areas. But I remember during this meditation, I had this moment that I never thought I would get to where 
I was gifted with the opportunity of really feeling what it would feel like to have nobody love me, to not have Gerald love me, who's my soul partner, to not have my kids love me, to not have my clients love me, to not be accepted by anybody, to not have any friends. And in my mind's eye, I saw myself there on the ground, not being loved by anybody. And I had a choice in my mind. I had a moment of decision if I got to choose to love myself. If I got to choose myself anyway, even if nobody else did. And for the first time in my life, I said, yes. Yes, I love myself. Yes, I choose myself. And it's interesting because in the past few weeks since that moment, every time that I've sat down, every time that I've been still, instead of having this moment of disturbance or feeling like I need to be something that I'm not just good with who I am. And I've noticed as I've showed up in my life as a mother with my kids that I'm a better mother because I can just be me. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I'm not trying too hard to please them. I'm not trying to entertain them. I had another really profound experience, which I'll share in a little bit, about motherhood during that meditation. I've noticed that I did a retreat for my clients after that moment. And for the first time, I noticed that I could just be as I did the retreat. I could be me. I could hold space. I wasn't placing expectations on myself. I wasn't trying too hard. I wasn't beating myself up. And I was able to show up in such a more powerful way for them. I've noticed in my relationship that I get to just be, and as I be me, it attracts that love into my life. And because I love myself, I'm able to love my kids and my partner and my clients and my friends so much more. There's a scripture that says, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I believe that we only have the capacity to love others as we have the capacity to love with ourselves. We only have the capacity to be and show up for others is the capacity we have to be and show up for ourselves. So during this next segment where I'm going to bring on uh, family first expert Lori Richens, uh, we're going to have a discussion on how to be as a parent. We're going to be talking about how to be in your business and in your life. And we're going to be giving you some really tangible tips and tools that you can use in your life to learn the art of being. I promise you, as you step into this art of being, you will find a place of stillness, of love, of acceptance, and of peace like you never have felt before. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. 
Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Hello and welcome back. I, In case you're just joining us, today's topic is the art of being. During the first segment, I spoke about some of my experiences in my life where I took on these labels, these ideas of someone or something that I needed to be <laughs> that wasn't true to who I was and, and shared an experience and a journey that I've been on in um, being able to shed those labels and being able to let go of what other people expect of me to the point where I got so depressed. I was on antidepressants. I was on suicide watch to in this current day, in this moment, having had an experience a few weeks ago that really for the first time in my life, I was able to say, even if nobody else chose me, even if nobody else loved me, I would still love myself. I would still choose myself. And it's brought such peace and comfort and calmness to me. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I just really wanted to share uh, this idea. And I wanted to share some tips with you so that you can experience the peace that comes with just being still, just being. There's a really interesting scripture. It says, be still and know that I am God. And I've always thought it was something like God was like, hey, you, you better be still, you know, (laughs) and know that I'm the one in charge. But what I've learned recently, I think, is that scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. It's a promise. If you're able to be, if you're able to be still, if you're able to be with yourself, you will come to know God. You will come to know that God is inside you, that He is He is all around you, that He is there watching over you, that you have the answers that you need. And we're going to talk about these different areas in life and some of these labels that you might be taking on. And you may have some areas in your life that you've taken on these labels, and maybe you have different areas of your life. But I want you to think about where is what area of your life are you showing up? Are you placing expectations? Are you feeling guilty? Are you beating yourself up? Are you not able just to be you? Do you feel like you have to be someone else or show up in a different way than you are in order to uh, do that area of your life <laughs> you know, well? So the first area I want to discuss is the area of parenthood and of families. And the reason why I wanted to start with this one is for me, I'm the mother of four children, I found that if that relationship is off, if I can't be just as a mother, then it affects every area of my life. That's something that's always on my mind. It's on my heart. It's something that's really important to me. So we're going to bring on family first expert, Lori Richens, in just a moment. She's going to weigh in on this too, but I wanted to share experience. The experience that I had where I really got to choose myself was during a meditation. I was camping up in the mountains, and during that same um, meditative experience, I was sitting on a blanket, and my sons had come to visit for the summer, and they had just left, and I was 
thinking in my mind about the things that went well, the things I could have done better. I was beating myself up a little bit. And um, right at that moment, I looked up and there was a mother moose that had wandered into the campsite. She was only about 10 feet away. At first, I was a little bit alarmed because I grew up right by Yellowstone National Park and always would hear these news stories of people getting too close to these baby mooses and the mamas would attack them. So I was very still in my blanket, really cautious at first, but she didn't seem too concerned with me. And then as my nerves calmed down, <laughs> I was able to relax a little bit. I started appreciating this experience, and I watched as this baby moose nursed from this mama moose, and then watched as the mama moose went and laid down in the meadow just 20 or 30 feet away from me, and um, she laid there as her baby moose played, and and it was really interesting. I just sat there and observed for an hour. What I learned from this mama moose and from nature and from the experience I had when my sons were there is that sometimes as parents, we put this pressure on ourselves that we have to do things with our kids all the time, or we have to show up in a certain way for them. But I watched as this mama moose just laid there and she didn't do anything. She just was there. She just was being. And then I watched this little baby moose exploring and looking around and he would never wander too far away. He would come back. Eventually he laid down and took a nap too. What I realized is my kids, don't always need me to be doing something. I don't always need to be, you know, providing and entertaining for my kids. A lot of the times they just need me to be there. They just need to know that I'm there. Remember last night, my son called me. I was right in the middle of dinner at a fancy restaurant. It was my mom's birthday. I was out with Gerald and my mom and my dad were there. And he called and I picked up the, the phone. And I remember my parents said, wow, I can't believe you picked up the phone. And they weren't being judgmental. They just were surprised. And I said, yeah, you know, I have this policy. Never the kids call, always pick up. or I'll always answer the text because they just need to know that I'm here. Don't need to do anything different. It's really interesting stepping into this awareness of just being as I was down last weekend in Phoenix with my kids and just listen to them. For the first time, I didn't feel pressure to do things, to entertain, to show up in a certain way. I wasn't thinking, well, what do they want me to say or what do they want me to do? I was just being, and I noticed that I had the most fabulous time with them. They opened up to me, and we connected on such a deep level. So my tip that I want to leave before bringing Lori on, when it comes to being a parent, just let your kids know that you're there. I know so many parents that are so busy all the time that they aren't really there for their kids. I'll share one last experience with you. I remember my daughter coming home from school one time, and I used to always have this beautiful snack prepared for my kids, part of the <laughs> label of, oh, good mom always has this snack, and I was always there waiting for them, and I just wanted to talk to them, and they never would want to talk when they first got home from school. <laughs> it was all, the dialogue always went like this, hey, how was your day? They'd be like, good, and then they'd run upstairs. So one day my daughter came home, and I could tell she was visibly upset. I was so excited that I got to be there for her. I was so hoping that she would talk, and she sat across from the counter and and I said, oh, tell me about your day. What's wrong? You know, I can tell you're upset. She said, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. She grabbed her snack and went up to her room. Later that day, my ex-husband used to work a lot. So he was out of town. He was out of town. And I was um, cooking. And I was right in the middle of making dinner. And my son was late for football practice. And she comes down. She's like, Mom, I really need to talk to you. I couldn't talk to her. I was too busy. I was busy preparing this perfect meal. I was busy being chauffeur. 
And it hurt my heart that I couldn't be there for her. But later that night, I made some time for her and she was able to really open up. But as a parent, just be there. Be there for your children. Just be and let them know that when they're ready, they can come to you, not forcing it out of them. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd love to hear Lori Richens tip. She is the uh, she she's a mother of seven children. She's from Fruitland, Idaho. She recently ran for political office. She's a speaker. She's an author. She's a mentor. She's a coach. She is somebody who is an expert in um, family life. And Lori, I would love to hear you weigh in on this as well. How 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 can we just be as well? I'd love to add some of the um, just a bit more to some of the beautiful things you've already said. I loved the scripture: "Be still and know that I am God." And just this morning, I had a client that I was working with, and he was in our living room. We happened to come to my home, and he was in my living room, and he saw this beautiful painting that I have. It's a rather large painting of Jesus Christ standing on this dark road, and he has a lamp in his hand, and the old ancient kind of lamps. And my client said, he commented that the Savior himself refers to himself as I am, not not what I was or what I will be. He just refers to himself as I am. And so when you said be still and know that I am God, I loved that. It was just perfect with what I experienced with with my friend this morning. But I want to add to um, what you had talked about regarding putting pressure on ourselves. We as mothers or wives or whatever role we're in, we put this pressure on ourselves. And I was in a vice myself. I was in a pressure cooker many years ago with my oldest daughter. Um, She was the first of the seven children that we had. And we noticed when we had our second son, who was only 15 months younger than she was, that He had started to pass her up in his speech capacity and some of the other skills that he had. He was much quicker at learning certain things and and just growing in general. And so we started to recognize that our oldest uh, daughter had some challenges and there would be times when she would kind of lock in on certain concepts and we had trouble getting her past that or she could only say two or three words back to back. Um, when other children were in, you know, full sentences and and in paragraphs. And so as time went on, we had her neurologically tested and we found out that she was having some misfiring in the left temporal side of her brain. And uh, we discovered that it was kind of like a television screen that would um, go to the static kind of, you know, silvery color on a on a screen. You don't see that a whole lot now, but um, I'm sure you get the idea of what I'm describing. And so the neurologist said that her brain would just kind of, um, you know, shut down for a bit and then kind of kick in gear again. And, and so um, we had her in speech therapy. We had her in an array of other different approaches trying to improve things. But I became most concerned the older that she got and she became a teenager, I just felt like so much of the world would require her to understand how to function in a more mature, advanced way. Her speech was still very simple, and she thought in a very simple, innocent way, and she was being mistreated by people at school and being shunned and 
And so you can imagine what my heart was feeling as a mother. We want our children to be spared these difficult experiences. So this is the most important pearl that I'm going to pass on to the people listening to the show today. I so badly wanted the burden lifted off my daughter, not just for her, but off from me as a parent because of the pressure I felt trying to um, help her to cope and manage this world in which we live. And one day, I remember kneeling beside the side of my bed, and I had done this so many times, and I just asked God to open her mind and her mouth so that she could better function in this world, so that she could see people's behavior for what it was, she could protect herself, and so forth. And finally, in this moment, this is what God taught me as a mother. He said, do not ask this of me. He said, this is a shield and protection for Rachel. And when I heard that, I knew that God had a perfect plan. And so this is the the three things I want to point out that I learned from that experience with my Rachel, who's now in her 30s. And she is one of the sweetest, kindest, most selfless serving people I know. She is just a pure-hearted soul. Number one, each of us have a package that comes with blessing and burdens, and we have to be okay about both. Number two, there is always a higher plan unfolding. And number three, it is very important that we align with that higher plan, whether it's for ourselves or whether it's for our children, so that we don't dis disrupt what God is trying to accomplish exactly the way things are. So I love my Rachel the way she is with her weaknesses and with her strengths. And I think you said it so beautifully that it is important to just be and to recognize that Jesus Christ said, I am. And in his perfect place, we cannot be like he is. We have both those blessings and those burdens that we must carry, and it's part of our development, and it's okay just the way it is. So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lori. And something I realized as you were talking, and I think this goes as relationships with our kids, with our parents or significant others or clients or friends or anybody in our life, is that when we have expectations we place on ourselves, when we feel like we have to be something we're not, then we place that expectation on other people. And we make how other people are a reflection of us. So, for example, you know, you have this moment that you explained as a mother where you thought, oh, what are people going to think, right? (laughs) Because my child's struggling, right? Yes. And, And as you shed that label and you stopped focusing on you and just allowed yourself to be you also gave her permission to be who she was. And it's really interesting. I love so much that story. And um, Lori, what would be your one piece of advice? How do you do that? What's your one tangible tip? If you're in a relationship, it's either with your child or with your spouse or significant other, or maybe it's even with a friend or a client where you're feeling like they are a reflection of you. How do you let go of that and step into this being? If there was one tip or piece of advice, what would it be? I think it's critical that we put ego and pride in check because 
as long as ego and pride runs rampant in our life, sometimes we don't even realize how significant that can be a factor in our life. But um, when our children aren't perfectly groomed, if they're not speaking clearly, or if maybe they, um, you know, just do something that puts attention on us and shows us to be less than perfect as a parent, usually that's an ego issue. So as long as we can keep our ego in check and stay humble through this process, we're going to be okay. And I had to accept with my daughter's imperfections that that may not be a perfect reflection on me. But I had to accept that that was the higher plan that the Lord had. And that has really kept me humble as I look at other people whose children might have some imperfections of their own. It's really been a gift on so many levels. So, yes, keep pride and ego in check, and it'll really help us in life. Mm, That's so beautiful. And I think, you know, for me, as you said that, one of the things that I can do in my life is I, I think... Um, why am I concerned about this or what am I afraid of? And if it's that I'm afraid of what other people would think or if I'm concerned because of what, um, that I'm not fitting into the box that I think I should fit in, if that's my fear, if that's my concern, that's when I know it's coming from ego because ego is when we're more worried about what someone else thinks than we are about listening for the answers and about being. And um, so it's really it, really an interesting thing to think about just being. And as I thought about, you know, how do you teach being? Um, one of the, the most beautiful practices is meditation, right? Meditation allows you to be able to just be with yourself, to listen to your mind, to find the answers within. Another area of just being and I'll, I'll share one brief story before we go to break. We're going to take another break. Um, when we come back, I'm going to give you a really uh, powerful practice that you can use in your life that you can start flexing that muscle of being. You can start shedding the labels and just allowing yourself to be. Um, and it has to do with the I am, which you brought up too, Lori. So we'll have to weigh in on that when we're done. But here's the story I want to share. And this one's in regards to work. It's in regards to my life purpose and my life mission and this idea of being. As I shared at the beginning of the show, I had this really profound experience while I was meditating out in, the, out in nature, out in the woods while I was camping. And uh, for the first time in my life, I got to choose myself. First time in my life, it chose me even if nobody else did. And very shortly after that, I did a workshop. And during this workshop, and I'd always felt this this pressure as a facilitator, like I needed to know everything, like I needed to be fully prepared, like I needed to show up. It was all ever all the learning, all the breakthroughs people were going to get were on me. And it was interesting because I was doing a process that actually really helps with shedding labels and allowing you to be. But I had all the women in this group write down on a piece of paper the labels that they put on themselves or that other people put on them. And we wanted to clear away those labels and get rid of those. So I knew I wanted all the women to tear up their papers. So I had them, after they wrote down these labels, tear them into little bits. And I passed around a bowl and they put their papers in the bowl. And it was really interesting because I got the bowl. And as I just sat there and just was, I thought, this isn't done. Something else needs to be done with this paper. We need to burn it or somehow destroy it. And we were in a condo in solitude, and I thought in my mind as I'm holding this paper and everybody's there, you know, waiting to see what I do, I thought, well, we can't really burn it because we don't have a fireplace or anything. don't have a safe way to do that. 
And I thought, well, we could flush it down the toilet, but that might cause plumbing problems. And suddenly in my mind, as I just sat there and allowed myself to be, I got the thought, somebody here knows what to do with it. And it's not you. <laughs> I said, okay. So in, in the essence of allowing myself to be, I said, what do you guys think we should do with this? And they thought it was part of the act or the performance, you know, planned. And so they said we should burn it. And I said, well, that's a great idea. We don't really have a place. Someone said we should flush it down the toilet, which I'd also thought of. And somebody else said, well, what about the plumbing problem? Then they looked at me and they said, I don't know. What should we do? And I said, I really don't know. But one of you here does. And in that moment, a lady that was attending the retreat, she said, she raised her hand. She said, I know. It's like before I left, I felt really inspired to bring this flora water with me. And she said, we need to cover these pieces of paper with water and put some of this special flora water. It's a, it's a Central American practice, South American practice that I learned from a shaman there. And, and so we got the paper, we covered it up with water and she put this rose water on it. And as she's going through the process, she says, I learned this from a shaman in Colombia. And you could hear an audible gasp from one of the ladies at the retreat. <gasps> And she started crying, and I turned and I said, are you okay? And she said, is this process called? And she said uh, something that, you know, I can't, I couldn't understand or translate. And um, the lady doing the process said, yes. She said, I was supposed to be in Colombia. I'm from Colombia. was supposed to be in Colombia this weekend learning this process. And I couldn't because the borders were closed due to COVID. And I'm getting the chills just thinking about it now. But she had such a profound experience, and because of her profound experience, and she says, I'm supposed to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be. This process means so much. We all have this profound experience, and it taught me a great lesson. When I don't just allow myself to be, and I try and place labels or expectations, if I had felt like I had to have the answer and hadn't listened and hadn't let go of ego and said, okay, it's not me, but one of you here knows it, that experience never would have happened. And you're right, Lori, being is letting go of ego because it means that we don't always have all the answers. It means that we aren't always the heroes of the story. But when we just allow things to be, things will always turn out how they're supposed to. And we can have a peace and assuredness knowing that. When we come back from break, a tangible process and tips to help you step more into being. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. 
If you want to join the ranks of the influencers, you've got to think like an influencer. How about joining one of the top influencers in the world, Leonard Kim, for Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard and his guests discuss the topics that aspiring influencers need to know, from brand building to getting yourself published and growing your audience. There's a bunch of fun and even some twists involved to keep you on your toes. You just have to listen every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back. You know, I want to dive right into this uh, practice. If you're wanting to perfect the art of being or just even try the art of being, I guess the whole point of being is it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, And for those of you that want more information, I hold intuition workshops regularly. If you want to learn how to do this to a greater level or feel uh, drawn to do that more, you can just email me, allison at soulintuition.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N at soul, S-O-U-L, intuition.com. Allison at soulintuition.com. Just say, send me information about an upcoming workshop. I do those virtually. They're like $20. So uh, it's not a huge expense, but it is an investment of your time. And you'll learn to become more intuitive. You'll learn uh, practices that will help you with the art of being. But here's a practice that you can do. You can do this now or you can do this as soon as you're done with the show. But um, one of the things that I suggest, and this would be really an additional part of the practice, is to first go through and think about all the ways in which you've labeled yourself, all the ways in which you weren't allowing yourself to be in the past was it as a parent, as a business owner, um, as a partner, as a spouse, whatever that is, I want you to think of all those places in your life where you feel like you just can't be you, like you have to show up as someone or something else and just write those down and then destroy that paper. Like I was talking about before, you can burn it. If you have a great place to burn it, you can flush it down the toilet. If you aren't worried about your plumbing, you can bury it in the backyard. But somehow destroy it so your subconscious mind knows I'm letting go of those, letting go of those labels. I'm done. And then here's a practice that you can do right now as you're listening. Take out a piece of paper, and I want you to write the words I am at the top. There's so many scriptures and so much that he's done about the power of I am. Wayne Dyer talks a lot about it. I'm reading a great book by him right now. Um, You can look it up on YouTube. But it's this idea of constantly we're telling ourselves, I am. And the power behind I am, you know, in the scriptures, it says, God says, I am that I am. That is the power of God. And we are God. We create our life when we say, I am. So if we say, I am stupid, then we will create that in our life. We're, We're giving stupid the power of I am. If you say, I am not enough, then you're giving not enough that power of I am. If you say, I am, I am doing this wrong, you're giving that the power of I am. If you say, I am ugly or I am fat, you're giving that power of I am. And I am is what creates, brings things into creation. So be very cautious about what you say after I am. But here's the practice. If you're writing I am at the top of the paper, write the things you are. And not, I am a good mom, I am a great businesswoman. No, I am love. I am 
flow. I am power. I am creation. Use one letter words after I am. The three that I say a lot, and then pick your favorite three, make it a mantra. The three that I use all the time is my mantra. I am love. I am trust. I am joy. So once you write down those list of words, pick the three that resonate the most with you. Make that your mantra. What do I mean by your mantra? Well, when I'm walking around the park in the morning and I feel like I'm in the space where I can't just be here and being hard on myself or I have that judgmental or, or negative self-talk as I walk, I'm just listening to music and over and over in my mind, I am love, I am trust, I am joy. If I'm driving in the car and suddenly I find myself thinking about the things I've done wrong or the ways that I'm not showing up, I just immediately turn that off. I am love. I am trust. I am joy. I am love. I am trust. I am joy. (laughs) Sometimes I even say it out loud because it needs to be louder than the voices in my head. So, Lori, what would the three things be for you if you were going to pick three things, I am statements? What would those be for you? I am wise. I am inspired. I am at peace. Beautiful. And it's something you can even say, too. This is really interesting. What if you changed I am inspired, I am inspiration, or I am wise, I am mm. wisdom, or I'm at peace to I am peace, you know? And, and this is the way you can play around with your words. But what are the three things, you know, and, and if you're listening, what are the three things that you would want to be at this time I am? So just thinking about that, again, if you want more information, email me. I'm glad to answer any questions, Allison at soulintuition.com. Glad to share with you further information about this. But try this practice. Um, See what you think this week. Lori, I would love for you to weigh in. What are your final thoughts? What are your final inspired words that you have for us today? The art of being. Well, I will. Yes, I want to share back to that I am inspiration. It is so important that parents recognize that we need to be careful of our child's dreams and aspirations in life because they are often God-given. And I want to repeat that again. We need to be careful of our child's dreams and aspirations because they are often God-given. And I shared recently on a Facebook post, people can go to my page if they would like. Lori Richens is the name of my my um, my page. And uh, my daughter had had a very difficult day at work, and she came home and expressed some of the challenges, and I went to give her an embrace, and she just stepped back. She just couldn't take it in. She couldn't receive the love that I had to offer. And so when she gets that way, I know that she's very overwhelmed with life. And sometimes we as parents, we're just not enough. We cannot personally fill those needs. So I prayed what I could do to help her and to just get her into a state of feeling, um, you know, more in control of her life. And I, I remembered something that she had asked over the years on and off for many years. She had asked for a set of drums and I woke up one day and I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to get her some drums. And the reason why I share that is because for Lily, her way of releasing some of the pent up emotions that she was having was 
being able to beat on drums and to achieve the endorphins that come when you learn something new. And so parents, pay attention to the things that the children ask of you and pay attention to the whispers that end up coming to you to help your children in their times of need. We got her these drums and she was elated and it's been an incredible stress reliever for her. So as we close your show today... I just want to go back to what the Savior said about I am. You are the perfect parent for your children. You can say that I am the perfect parent for the children God has given me. And you can trust that all that you need through your wisdom and inspiration will be enough as you raise these children and as you grow yourself. So thank you for allowing me to share these thoughts, Allison. I've loved the topic of your show today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Make sure and follow Lori Richens if you aren't already on Facebook. Um, that's Richens, R-I-C-H-I-N-S, Lori Richens. Um, she has some really great content out there. Thank you so much, Lori. Uh, and here's what I want to leave you with. You know, the power of I am. And when we're talking about being, I mean, ultimately, I am that I am. <laughs> Just allow yourself to be you. Honor yourself where you are you don't have to be anyone different than you. You were created perfectly as you are. You don't have to meet other people's expectations. You don't have to step into things that aren't you. Just be you. And when you notice yourself with that negative self-talk, so if you say, I am unlucky in love, replace that. I am love. If you're telling yourself, I'm unworthy of happiness, replace that with, I am happiness. So the words I am are constantly that you use to define who you are and what you are capable of are holy expressions, right? It's from the highest aspect of you. So decide the I am's that you want to be. And when you catch yourself in that negative self-talk, have that positive self-talk and just allow yourself to be. Let go of ego, like Lori said, and be you, because you are enough just as you are. I love you, my friends. Until next week, I'm Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.